Okay, if you have your Bibles, go with me to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Chapter 33. Ezekiel, chapter 33. Stand with me all over the building for the reading of the Word this morning. Ezekiel, chapter 33. And we're going to go to... Verse 11, say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from your evil ways, for why will ye die? Father, for the next few moments here this morning, I ask you, Lord, to just use me as a mouthpiece, Lord, while you preach this word through me to the hearts of all that are here today. Give us, Lord, the spiritual ears to hear your voice in this word today. Give us the spiritual eyes to see the path as you lay it out before us and the godly wisdom to walk in that path. And we thank you and we praise you for it. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. I want to ask you a question today. What is the Bible for? The title to the message today is the Bible, in parentheses, a continual call for change. The Bible, a continual call for change. That's the title to the message today. The Bible is calling us to change always. Notice what he said. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from... From what? That the wicked turn from what? That the wicked turn from his way. His way. This ain't McDonald's. This ain't Burger King. You can't have this your way. It can't be your way. Your way's wrong. God's way is right. You got to get over you and yours and mine and my. They ain't none of that mess going to work with God because it ain't got nothing to do with you, your, me, my. What it's got to do with is the Lord's my and mine. They ain't even no our in the kingdom of God. There ain't no our way. There's a my way and your way. That's all there is to it. His way is the way. He said, I am the way. The truth, bless you, and the life. That's it. They know. They know us in it. Do I have Bible for that? Yeah, maybe. So what is it we're to change? We're to change what we're doing, how we're doing it, how we're living, 
and we're to change our priorities. Man's priorities are backwards. Man is seeking after wealth, riches, things, stuff, more stuff, bigger stuff, better stuff, more expensive stuff, which means you're going to have to have more money to get more stuff and more bigger stuff. and That's what man's seeking after. But the Bible warns against that. The Bible warns against that stuff. Go over to Matthew chapter 6. A scripture in this church you're well familiar with, I guarantee you. But let's back up a little bit. And let's look at verse 25. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. I'm not talking about I'm not talking about take no thought for your being alive. Take no thought for, for dying or nothing like that. He said, for your life. Remember when the Lord said that he loved the he loved the church and gave himself for it. He gave his life for it. Amen. He laid his he laid down his life. Remember that? Remember when the Bible said he said, They take it not from me, but I lay it down. Remember that? Remember he said he laid his life down, so if he laid his life down, what, what does that mean? What's that? No, listen, folks, let me tell you there's more to the life than 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 death, than just the blood. There's more to more to your life. Let me tell you something. Jesus gave his life for the church. Didn't mean he, that he died on Calvary, just died on Calvary for it. He gave his whole life for the church. He didn't have a life. You ever heard somebody say, get a life, man, get a life? That's exactly what we're doing. We're getting a life. His, his name is Jesus. He is the life. That's the life I'm hooking up with right here, praise God. I hooked up with him in the waters of baptism, and I ain't going to never turn him loose, praise God. Lord willing, and God help me keep my path, amen. But let me tell you something. Jesus laid his life down. He laid all his desires down. He laid all uh, uh, the, the, the lusts of the flesh and all those things down. He was in all points tempted as we yet without, without sin. So he gave his life. You listen to people that would describe your life. Well, I like to fish in my big old gigantic, very expensive bass boat. I like to hunt with my high-dollar rifles in my big fortune, big, big-money ranch. And like to, I like to uh, count my gold coins. I like to, I like to drive my big cars. I like to drive my big trucks. And that's people's lives. He laid all that down. He didn't even have a place to lay his head. He said, hey, foxes have holes. <laughs> he said, hey, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Amen. He didn't have none of that stuff. You know why? Because he was giving us an example that we should walk as he walked. He was giving us example. You don't need all that mess. Amen. He said, look what he says. And I'll look what he said just a minute since I put my eyes on here. Amen. He said, look. Take no thought for your life. What ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, that's the life. For yet nor yet for your body what ye shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. He said, hey, man, 
Isn't your life more than just the things you wear? Isn't your life more than just meat? Isn't your life more than that? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. They ain't out there sowing. I got a bird out there ain't moved in about a week. But he ain't lost an ounce of weight, neither. None. As a matter of fact, it rained up. I think he might have gained a little weight. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? He said, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? See, there's your real life. There's the real body right there. Now, you can go get you some shoes and make some artificial height. See? Sister uh, Sister Sharon could get some stilts, and she could be six foot tall. Amen. What good is that? Yeah, that's right. She's scared of heights. I forgot. That's why God kept her. He said, lo, I'm with you always. <laughs> And he said, why take you thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say to you, unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory. Now, you know what he's talking about with Solomon here? In Solomon in all his glory. He said, look, he was saying Solomon in, in, the, in the peak of his heyday. All the money that this man had. I'm going to tell you, Solomon was a rich, rich man. He could do anything. Matter of fact, he did everything. Look at the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, there was nothing I held back from me. I bought everything I ever wanted. I, I bought everything that could be bought on this earth. I had everything brought, into, brought to me. I experienced everything to see what was real and what was, what was not. What brought true joy and what was vanity. You know what he concluded after all that research? And if he could have just gave me some of that money, I could have told him that because I've read the book <laughs> that he wrote. <laughs> it's all vanity, man. I tell you, I read the book, you know. <laughs> it's all vanity. It's all vanity. So when he arrayed himself, with all of the finest things that have ever been on this earth. It's not to be compared. He said, And Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these, one of the lilies of the field. You ought to just take a closer look at lilies and things like that. Take a closer look at some of these flowers that look like nothing to you. One thing I love about my beautiful wife, she's a very simple woman. And she sees beauty in everything. She, 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 I cut a trail through the, through the back back here, and then she come told me, you know, uh, you know, she saw this was good, saw that was good. She saw that there's a stump in the way. That's not good. So she let me know it, and I cut the tree out of the way. But you know what? She walked back there, and all the flowers that are blooming back in there where you couldn't get to it, see? Little small little flowers and things, very very beautiful, <laughs> and and so you take you take a, a something and look very closely at at the at the precision those things are made with. It's just a fascinating thing, amazing. And so here the Bible says in verse 
30. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the fields, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? You know what he's talking about right there? What's he talking about? What's he talking about, brother? Yeah, you know what you know what all that stipulates to? Your job. He said, Hey, take therefore no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? How in the world am I going to make it? How in the world am I going to do this? How in the world am I going to do that? Here's what he said in verse thirty two. He said, For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows you got to have those things. But verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. What righteousness? What righteousness is that, Brother Mike? That's righteousness, isn't it? Where you find that at? In that book right there? Praise God. See there? That's where you find that. Amen. And so, hey, he said, seek that first. Seek his righteousness first. You know what his righteousness says? Don't miss church. You know what his righteousness says? Study the Bible. You know what his righteousness says? You need to pray and fast. You know what his righteousness says? You need to... Be connected one with another in the house of God and in the church of God. You need to be yoked together with, unbe- with, with, with like-minded believers. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and you know what the reward is? And all these things, what things? What? Things He just mentioned. All these things that He just listed shall be added unto you, your clothes, your shelter, your food, everything that you need. I'm going to tell you something about the people in America. What we think we need, we don't need. These are things we want. Wants and needs are completely different, especially in the eyes of God. But he did say if you delighted yourself in the Lord, he would give you some of the desires of your heart. Okay, so let me ask you a question right quick. Did you know that your your true commitment to God is not measured by what you give up? Your true Commitment to God is measured by what you hold on to. That's the true measure of God. That's the true measure of your commitment. Oh, I should have thought you were fixing to ask me a question. I just heard, excuse me, I was fixing, <laughs> it's okay. Amen. But, so, it's not the things you gave up that the Lord's concerned with. It's the things you won't let go of. That's what's concerning God. 
It's that little part of you you're trying to hold on to. Well, I'll give you this, God, and I'll give you that, but I'm not going to give you this. I'll give you this much time. I'll give you this day, but I ain't going to give you this day. I'll give you this much time, but I'm not going to give you that time. I'm going to give, I'm holding that to me because i got to do this, 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 this. That don't work for God. That don't work with God. Because it's what you're holding on to that's got the eyes of God. That's what's got His attention. That's the things you got to turn loose of. Let me ask you a question. A little off topic, but kind of right in line with where I'm at on this message. Men, if you had a girlfriend or many girlfriends or whatever situation may be, or you got married, when you got married, were you able to hold on to some of them? Man, look at all the women looking at the men saying, you better answer this right right now because I'm going to tell you your life depends on it. Okay, if we are in church, I'll take you out right now. <laughs> Try it. Yeah, don't lie. you in church. See, so let me ask you a question. Were you able to hold on to any? I mean, you know, several of them. How about three? How about one? I mean, just one. It's just one. I mean, it's just one. Look at them looking. Like, don't think they can't see. They may be looking this way, but buddy, they got little mirrors. They can see. Peripheral. It's peripheral. <laughs> peripheral. <laughs> Prolifial. I got some prolifial vision, buddy. I might be from the country, but you speak Margaret. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he may have four or five arguments already going on in the church. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so listen. We laugh about that, and we think, <laughs> no. No, we know. No, let me ask you that. Yeah, can you? That's a good question. That's a good. That's a good point. What about you contacting them? You know, hey, hey, how you doing, honey? Oh well, we can't hang out no more. But I did want to stay in touch with you just in case things don't work out. You know, keep you hanging on the line. You know, just in case. I mean. How'd that work? That work okay? That don't work okay, does it? Are you trying to tell me, ladies, that y'all are jealous? Huh? Well, let me tell you what. Whether you are or not, I can tell you one that's jealous. His name is Jesus. And he declares it straight out the get-go. I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. And whether or not you want to share, I know these new modern-day things, and they have marriages out there that share and all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's death, what that is. But let me tell you something. God don't share. He don't share at all. So when you say, I do, that's it. You did right there. Amen. And, and just as we in this life 
We don't hold on to things either. And when we get into marriage, all that, all the old you went aside. Now listen, I'm not talking about just uh, uh, maybe you, you, you used to worship some statue or something like that. Anything, the Lord said, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Anything that you put in front of God, be it a job, be it an activity, anything that keeps you out of the house of God when you're supposed to be here is a God to you, and it will not be tolerated by God. He will not, he will not have that. He will not have it. He will not play second fiddle to your job. He will not play second fiddle to anything that you got going on in your life. Amen. That is clearly what the Bible says. And this entire book is about change. It is about change. Now, so, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning... God. Exodus 20 and 3. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Now. So let's look at some of this stuff. What is the message of the Bible? The message of the Bible is about change through Jesus Christ. What's the purpose What's the purpose of the Bible? Well, let's just find out what the purpose of the Bible is. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, chapter 3. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16 17 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, these are these are talking about change here. For instruction in righteousness, teaches you how to walk rightly before God, that the man of God may be perfect, which means complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All right, let's look at Ephesians four. Back up just a little bit to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. And let's look at verse 11. It says, And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, which means the completion of the saints. For the work of the ministry. And for the edify, which is for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by sleight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So all these things, all these things were given to bring change to the life of man. This whole book is about change. Let's look at Isaiah. No, I'll tell you what. Hold up just a minute. 
let's just take a look at the at the layout of the Bible. Let's take a look at the layout of the Bible. The layout of the Bible, the Bible says, in the beginning, in the beginning, God. Look at look at Genesis one and two. In the beginning, the Bible says. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Verse 2 says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. All right? So here is the very beginning, and it begins right there with creation. God started with nothing, and he created all that we know today. He created man created the earth, created all the animals, all the trees, everything that's life on the earth. The Bible says in Genesis 1.31, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. Okay, so God finished his creation, and his creation was perfect. It was perfect because what God saw was very good. Now, what happened next? Corruption. Corruption. When Eve took of the forbidden fruit. Let's take a look. Genesis chapter 3. And let's look at verse 14. So it was creation, then creation to perfection, perfection to corruption. And then look at verse 14. And the Lord said unto the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. And upon, upon, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Ladies, this is where some serious things happened in your lives right here. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heels. Listen, to, listen carefully. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrows, thy sorrow, and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shalt be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Now, right here is where that monthly thing took place, right here. That's where that came from right there. The Bible said without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The Bible said, I will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. That monthly cycle is part of your conception process. And that came from him. Now, look what he said. And I want to show you something here too as well. I'm going to show you something else as well. Let's look at some Bible. Let's get some Greek on it. Okay, so Genesis. Okay. All right, now let's see here. 14. Thank you. You knew where I was at. Been around a while, hadn't you, sis? Okay. Okay, now, okay, uh, I will put enmity... 
between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and he shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, worrisomeness, labor, or pain, and thy conception, pregnancy, conception, and in sorrow, grievous, idle, labor, sorrow, toil, also pain, whether of body and mind. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire, thy longing after, or following after, stretching out after, shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Okay, now, so, okay. So here, from creation to perfection to corruption, and then eviction. So let's go on further. Okay, and, and then he said, verse 17, and, and unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast beaten, or beaten, and has eaten of the tree, of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Understand, nothing had to be done. He wasn't sent to tend the garden. He wasn't said he was going to tend it, but he wasn't sent to have to work and toil. All he was sent to do is just tend it. Yeah, man. There was no work involved in all this. It was a perfect world. There were no problems. There was no sin. All problems in this life come from sin. If it comes from disobedience, guess what that is? Sin. Amen. So there was none of these problems. I'm going to show you another little point also here uh, in just a minute. Okay. So he said, curse is the ground for thy sake. So he cursed the ground. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. So in other words, you know, in sorrow, in sorrow, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it worrisomeness, labor, or pain. See that? So in sorrow shalt thou eat of it. In other words, you're going to have to labor for it. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to pain for it. All right, and said, all the days of thy life, thorns and thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. So in other words, from that day forward, it was cursed. So then, here comes thorns and thistles that were not, were not part of that before this. This is the man's curse that came on man. Bless you. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast taken for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. Now listen, listen to what it says. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all, th of all living. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. And the Lord said, Behold, now listen carefully to this. I'm going to show you something in the Greek here. I want you to see this very, very carefully today. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us. This is where Trinitarian people get a lot of this Trinitarian doctrine. He's become of one of us to know good and evil. 
Now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the lust of the Lord God sent him forth out of the garden. Okay, so let's go back and let's take a look at the Hebrew. Let's take a look at the Strong's Concordance here. Let's take a look at the Hebrew on that. Yes, I know it did. Got a mind of its own. Yes. Okay, so let's take a look and see. Let me tell you, folks, a lot of stuff added where it don't need to be added because whoever, who, some of the people that did this were, were part of that Trinitarianism. Eh? Okay, so look here. So let's go down to verse, uh, I think it's 22, 21. No. Okay. Okay, see here? <clears throat> okay. Now, let me let me make this bigger. Uh, let me see if I can remember how to do this. Brackets. Okay. Now, let's go down here. Can y'all see that okay? Okay. You see right here? Behold, the man is become as one. Okay. Is become as one. Okay. Let me show you how this works. Is become... As one. Okay, so look at, see where it says as one? That this part, not is become as one, all this represents is the, is the, the word one, i.e., in example, one. See that? Turn that front light off, sis, the front, front light right here. I want you to see this. This is very important right here. It's just a side note, but it's still nevertheless very important. And the Lord God Okay, this is the Lord. This is the word for God. Okay, this uh, said, this says, behold. Okay, this, this right here is the man is become as one. All that represents is one. The man is one. Now, this, okay, to know. This right here of us, I want you to see. When, when you look at the of us, of us to know is only represented in this word right here. The only, the only part of that of us to know, the only part of this is not even in the whole thing. This has nothing to do with of us or of me or of I or of anything. He has become as one to know this. All this is yada. You ever heard somebody say yada, 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 yada? Watch what you say because a lot of times what you're saying has meaning. That's Greek for, for to know, okay? Okay. Has come one of us. As one of a, okay, so this, so this is not even represented here. The only part in the Greek that's represented is this right here, to know. So that's not even there. There's not a to us. There's not a as us or one of us. It's, of us is not even in there. Whoever wrote that put that in there. It's not even represented in the Greek. I mean, in the, not the Greek, but the, the Hebrew. This is all Hebrew right here, this Old Testament. So... To know, it's a, a great variety of senses. This is also where it's talked about uh, the, the, the in-depth, uh, 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 intimate relationship also. But it means to know, to know. So all that, uh, that to us is not in, or as uh, one of us or of us, it's not even in there. So when you see that, just know that that's not represented there at all. It's not a, that's not what the, the Hebrew says. Okay, so, okay, so. Let's move forward then. Okay, now he says, okay, so here is the eviction. Here's the eviction of it right here where he says, And the Lord 
uh, God said, Behold, the man becomes one of us to know good and evil. And, and now, lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So here we go. Here's creation, perfection, corruption, and eviction. Here's the first call for change. It's the first call in the Bible for change right here. Next, come to the flood. Genesis 6, 11 through 13. 6, 11 through 13 says this. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. And for all flesh had corrupted his way on the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come up before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So then, what we have? Corruption. Next, verse 17. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. Eviction. But with thee I will establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. Now, so, eviction, and then the second call for change, and the first covenant. This is the first covenant right here. Chapter 9 of Genesis, verse 1 says, this is the, this is the beginning, verse... This whole chapter of, of or well, all the way to 19, 1 through 19, is about the covenant. God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air and upon all that moved upon the earth and upon the fishes, all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things. But flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, you shall not eat. And surely your your blood, surely your blood, uh, blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For the image in the image of God made he man. So he goes on. He goes down. Verse nine says. And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you and with your seed after you. So here's the first covenant, okay? Then, later, we know, many years later, the Lord saw a need to bring forth a more in-detail covenant because man had corrupted his way even more so upon the earth. Man had become very corrupt, and the Lord decided to bring the law. There were 613 commandments in the mitzvah, which is the commandments, the Jewish commandments that God gave. Mount Sinai was uh, the, the Ten Commandments that were given there, and then the law that he, of course, handed down to, to uh, Moses, and, and he put in, uh, in the Mosaic Law, which is the 16, 613 commandments of the mitzvah. Now, okay, so from that time forward, It's continual fall and change, fall and change, fall and change. So now we get to Isaiah 58, 
Look at Isaiah chapter 58. Here's just one small, another small example. Another small example of God's call for change. Here he said, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did, know, that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. What kind of fast is that? You going to fast and go play golf? You going to miss a bologna sandwich at the fishing hole? You going to fast and go to the shooting range? No. That's not afflicting your soul. The Bible says, he said, man, why do we afflict our soul and now take us no knowledge? He said, behold, ye fast. He said, uh, uh, behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. In other words, it's just business as usual. He said, behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You know what they were fasting for? To blow somebody up. I'm going to fast till your head caves in. I'm going to fast till God lights you on fire, and I'm going to sit there and watch you burn. That's how he said you fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. He said, you shall not fast as you do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush? In other words, is it to is it to look like you're fasting? Is it to afflict yourself and put that sad look on your face? And is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? But then he turns around and he says, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness? Is this not what it's for? It's to loose the bands of wickedness, man, to undo the heavy burdens. What do you fast for? Because the Bible says this, this sort cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. You fast, man, to break a yoke, not somebody's back. You're not fasting to break somebody. You're fasting to break you. You're fasting to break something on you. Amen. We fast because... We need change in us. We don't fast for change in somebody else unless they ask for a fast. There may be some time that you call somebody, and I highly recommend it. If you have an illness or something, man, to get a hold of somebody, you can't get past an illness. You can't get over something. You get a, get a hold of Call me. I'll fast with you. Praise God, man. I can push a plate back. Amen. I'll be glad to fast and pray with you, man. That's, that's my delight. Praise God. I'll be glad to fast with this flock. Praise the Lord. The Bible, man, tells us we need to fast. So, amen, listen, if you've got something, a stronghold you can't break in your life, try fasting, Brother Jay. When you try everything else and you're still having problems with it, try fasting on top of it. Amen. The Bible says, is not this the fast that I have chosen? Look carefully at the Word of God. Let me tell you something. I, how many of you got questions in your life? 
Let me tell you, the answers are right there in that book. He said, all right. Here's the fast I've chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness. I'd say smoking's a band of wickedness, wouldn't you? It's a band. To undo the heavy burdens. I'd say it's a heavy burden. Somebody ever been bound up with that mess, I can tell you firsthand, it's a heavy burden. It's to undo the heavy burdens. It's to loose those bands of wickedness. And it's to let the oppressed go free. Man, what more oppression in this life than the things of the enemy? And it's to let them go free. And that she break every yoke. How many of you know it's a yoke of bondage? Yes, sir. Okay, so then, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou may bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? Amen. Now, folks, this don't just mean you start going on the street, picking people up, bringing them to your house, and, and opening your cabinets up to them. That's not what it's talking about. He said, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry? What bread? Give me, uh, quickly, John 6, 48 through 51. Okay. Deal thy bread to the hungry. Amen. And, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house. Okay, so what's he talking about? Who's doing the fasting? Who's he talking to? Who's he talking to, sister? Huh? Yep. I knew that was going to happen. Man. Thousand, uh, man, I paid a thousand pennies for that. You didn't pay a thousand pennies for that. hundred pennies for that. Huh? No, I've got some. Honey, would you uh, grab me another pair of glasses, please, off my desk back there, please? Okay, come on, listen carefully. Now, yes, now who's it talking to? Who's the Word of God for? The church. The Word of God's to the church, okay? So it's talking to the church. Who's fasting? The world ain't fasting. It's the church. The church is fasting. Here he's talking to Israel. They were the church at that time. They were in the vine. They were the natural branch in the vine, which is where we are now. And when it talks about Israel in modern-day time, we are Israel. We are the modern-day Israel right now because we are, the, we are the ones that's in the vine. Same vine that they were back in, but God gave them a bill of divorcement. See, we're in that same vine. We're just grafted into it. But he severed them from it. But we are in that vine. Now we, we are the modern-day Israel. We are the bride, not the bride-to-be, but the bride of Christ right now, which we are the church. Israel's coming back in. They will be back in when we come to the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Okay, another message for another time. Okay, okay. so listen carefully now. So he says, so is it to deal thy bread to the hungry? Okay, well, come on with it. What? Uh-oh, what? <gasps> My, you don't say. Come on with it. <laughs> wow. Come on with it. Thank you. Now, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? The poor that are cast out to thy house? The poor that are cast out, amen, to thy house? What's the house? The house of God. The poor that are cast out, those that have no word, those that have no no walk with God, to bring them into the house. Amen? 
to bring them into the house of God, to our house. Amen. Okay, now. When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from him, or from thine own flesh. Okay, so what's he talking about there? When thou see the naked. So let's talk about that. Let's just talk about that for a minute. Okay, so let's go back to uh, deal thy bread to the hungry. Okay, the poor that are cast out the house when thou seest the naked. Okay, so okay, so in 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 the book of uh, in the book of Revelation it says, "Knowest thou not?" Hold on, let me get it. Let me just get it over here. I got to do some work on my little Bible here. Okay, listen to what it says here. Okay, in, in verse chapter 3, verse 17 says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. See that? Okay, so this is what it's talking about. He says, hey, when you see the, seest the naked, that thou cover him. How do you cover him? You give him the Word of God. You see somebody walking out here naked and undone before the Lord, you get him the Word of God and cover this man. Help to cover him in the Word of God. Let me tell you something. It's no different. Even people that have somewhat of a walk with God, Amen. You didn't realize how naked you were. Amen. Everybody that's made their way to this church came from another walk, and it may have been the, even the same walk, but you did not realize, even those that have been in the, in the ranks of this walk, did not realize how naked and undone you might have been. You see what I mean? There's a difference in this walk than in any other. And so, when you see people out there that are walking unprepared in this Word, amen, in the eyes of God, that they're naked. Amen. They have no covering. They're not covered. You need a covering that comes from that right back there, that baptism right there. That's how you put a, that's how you robe yourself in white. Amen. Now, okay, so he says that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. So don't hide yourself from, from people that are just like you. If you see somebody naked and undone, you see somebody that's walking around out there that's undone, they're not ready to meet the Lord. These are the things you take into consideration when you're fasting. These are part of a fast. Amen. Now, he says, when you do that, then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. Thine health shall spring forth speedily. Notice here what you're doing. All these things that you're doing, notice the order of God, how that he puts everything else, he puts everything on somebody else. You see what he's doing? He takes the me, 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 me out of the scenario and puts it on somebody else to deal thy bread to the hungry. It means, hey, this is a day to stop 
Stop what you've just what you've learned and teach it to somebody else. Pray for somebody else. Minister to somebody else. Teach somebody else. This ain't no day to be doing your just carry on business as usual. You need to spend that time when you're in a fast about the Lord and doing the Lord's work. Even if you are working, you're still paying closer attention to try to minister to somebody and deal that which God has given to you to somebody else. Put yourself in a different state of mind that day. Amen. If you're teaching school that day, still, nevertheless, feed more of God in that day at your school. Amen. Than you do, than you do a, a regular curricular activities or whatever, uh, 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 or, or what do you call a curriculum or whatever. But, but uh, uh, and, and, and touch base with more people that you can minister to and spend more time in prayer, spend more time with the kingdom of God during that fast time. Amen. Then, he said, by doing that, he said, then shall thy light break forth as the morning. How do we get, church? How do we get? We give. The Bible says, give and it shall be given. That's how we get. We give. How do we reap? We sow. Amen. Okay, so, then shall thy light break forth. He just told you to give it to everybody else. Do it for everybody else. Do everything you can for everybody else. He said, and then shall thy light break forth. See? You're sowing. You're sowing to yourself. You're sowing to you. But you're doing it through somebody else. You're sowing yourself a harvest by giving to somebody else. That's the order of God. Then shall thy light break forth to noonday, and thine hell shall spring forth uh, speedily. And thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Then shalt thou call on the Lord, and, shall, and, he, and the Lord shall answer. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. And thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. See that? Everybody understand? Everybody understand it? Okay. A little further. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. In other words, folks, look. See how this is calling for change? See this calling for change in the lives of God's people? He said, man, cry aloud and spare not. Tell my people the error of their ways. And then he said, hey, man. And they say, well, you're talking about fasting. And he goes into talking about fasting. He says, your fasting's wrong. This is wrong. That's wrong. You're living wrong. Do this. You need to stop doing that. You need to start doing this. You need to start doing this. Quit doing that. It's what the Bible's all about. It's all about change. Listen, if the Bible would not need be necessary if it weren't for the corruption of man. There would never have been a need for the Bible. But the Bible is 
a roadmap home because we have no sense of proper direction. It's not in man that walketh to direct his steps. It's not. What does it mean by not in man? It means it was not built into you. Why? Why was it not built into you? We're made in the similitude of God. We're made in God's image because if we knew how to go ourselves, we wouldn't have nothing to do with God. You want to see an example of that? Let me show you an example of that. Let me show you an example of how of, of when God when when God's people decide they need Him. Everybody remember nine eleven. Remember them towers. Remember where you were. Remember that night. Five hundred million people was in church that night. Five four hundred ninety nine million was in church that next Sunday. 312 million probably was in church the next Sunday. Million and a half was in church the next Sunday. And it's back to the 19 people was in church the next Sunday. See? See how that works? Everybody wants Jesus when they're blowed up. But the Word of God cries out for change. And, and, and the, the desperate need for change is so desperate that it bears a strong message. And it bears emphasizing that message. It's not something to be told monotonely. I don't think. What was the little doggy's name? I don't know. You know, which one is he? Huh? What? No. Deputy dog or something like that. One of them little... Uh. No. Anyway, one of those... One of those... That, Everything he said was just like that, just monotone. Everything, no, no emphasis on anything. But let me tell you something. God didn't write it like that. God didn't write it. What did he say? Cry aloud. Spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Okay, so. All right, so, and it says, And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden. I love that. Shall be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places, Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. Then it goes on into the, the you know, which we talk about a lot, the turning away thy foot from the Sabbath and all that. See, all those, every bit of this, all of this is all about change. It's all about change. It's about stopping what you're doing and changing your life. It's about a change of life. Amen. Now, Notice here, 
where it goes 13 to 15, or 13, 14, talks about turning away your foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. See? Amen. And call the Sabbath to delight. And he said, Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places. It's all about change, every bit of it. Now, okay, let's go further. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. That effeminate, you know what that effeminate is? That's not just a homosexual. That's a guy walking around that's not a manly guy. You ever meet guys walking around like that? that may not be gay, most of them are, but may not be gay. They just walk around, they're just, they're just real feminine. They're just feminine, you know. The Bible says they'll never, they'll never make it. Effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. So you see here, Paul was talking uh, uh, to the Corinthians. He was saying, hey, man, none of these types will make it to heaven, but, and such were some of you, but ye are changed basically what he was saying. Okay? Now, even even when you're doing good, the Bible calls for change. Even when you're doing good. Let's find that out. Amen. Sister Sharon, give me John 15, John 15, 2. Even when you're doing good. There's always a call for change. It is a continual call for change. Come on. You see that? See, even when you're bringing forth fruit, he still purgeth it. What's purging it? Change. That's what purging it is. It's change. Amen. That it bring forth more fruit. Because let me tell you what will happen. If you ain't careful, if you're not careful, if you don't prune and stuff, if you don't prune a fruit tree... It gets growing all kind of crazy ways, and it'll starve itself. It needs help. You need to come in and prune it and keep it in good shape. And the Bible talks about that here. And it's representative of man. Amen. Even though you do bring forth fruit, the Bible says, hey, here's a good example. Brother and sister, quick, we're living for the Lord. I know where they went to church, and so I know that they were taught some of the serious fundamentals of the doctrine, and I know that they're baptized in Jesus' name. They both have the Holy Ghost. They both were, and, and Sister Rosie as well, but I'm going to talk about these two here for just a second because it's fun to talk about them. Amen. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, and I'll just make sure you do this side right here so to match the other side. Amen. So, but anyway, uh, so, but the Bible says, that he scourgeth every son that cometh unto him. In other words, listen, when they came here, right out of the gate, wasn't just a hello, praise God, we're happy to have you, praise the Lord, now strap in, put your seatbelt on, because I'm fixing to roll the bus over you. Amen. During that, during that very first message, I didn't hold back. 
I don't recall tiptoeing around anybody that day. Matter of fact, I think it was a pretty rough message. And, you know, it always surprises me because I talk to the Lord about it, at, you know, many times after somebody new comes into the church. And I'm like, Lord, you know, man, Lord, man, you like let them have both barrels there, God. But Lord said, hey, well, you just preach it like I wrote it, son. You let me worry about the rest. Amen. And you know what? It was exactly what needed to happen. But I said all that to say this. Listen, they came to a deeper walk with God when they walked in this door. And God let them have it right off the bat. Boom! There was the pruning. Amen. That you bring forth more fruit. Praise God. How's it working for you? Praise the Lamb of God. It's bringing forth some fruit, ain't it? I mean, is, you see how the change is. And you know what? Immediately people start noticing. What's different? <laughs> Where you want me to start at? <laughs> you know, I mean, listen, what's different? <laughs> well, joy, that's different. And, you know, uh, a fire, that's different. Praise God. So, it, listen, God will always continue to push you further and prune you and, and keep you. We're just absolutely eat up with this grabbing everything we come in contact with. I want that, three of those, four of them, six of them, twelve of them, nine, nine of those. And, you know, we walk around like, hey, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, need some help with that? No, I got this. Yeah, but I tell you, you get that. It's just like this. My wife caught me one time. She caught me good, boy. Of course, I they opened a Bass Pro shop. I was, I was in the fishing circuit at that time. and They opened a Bass Pro in Nashville. They opened a Bass Pro in Nashville. Well, I, you know. I went down there dressed like I normally would, my hat and my suit, you know, I was down there. And, and uh, so we're there before daylight. All these people standing out in the parking lot, grand open. Well, me and an older friend of mine, a fishing partner of mine, we're down there, you know, and we're sitting there waiting, you know. Well, there's all kind of people out there, Porter, Wagner, and all them, you know, because it's right there by Opperland, Opperland Hotel and all. <laughs> so me and Ben were standing out there, you know, and, and I look over here, and here's this camera guy from one of the news stations. You know, he got his camera right on me, you know. And, and I'm like, uh, I look over. My wife calls me. She says, uh, well, hello, darling. I said, hi, sweetie. She says, you sure are looking good. I said, no, she didn't say on Channel 2. She said, you sure are looking good. I'm looking around. I told Ben, I said, my wife had done follow me down here this morning. She knew I was coming down here. I said, you'd have followed me down here. I said, where are you at? She says, I'm sitting at home on the couch. I said, what are you talking about? She says, you're on the news. You're on Channel 2 News. I looked over and I saw it in Channel 2 News camera right on me. I said, get that camera off me, man. <laughs> and so anyway, so uh, anyway, so then I go and I leave and I, I go into the store. Bass Pro Shop. Oh, oh, Lord. So, hey, so, hey, hey, man, I done got one stack full. I See, I was sending off having to get it over the Internet. You know, that's, that's where I always bought my stuff. Tournament stuff is from, from Bass Pro. I was having to get it on the Internet, have to deliver it. So, man, uh, then so I got one buggy full, and I got another one behind me full. So I'm pushing one, pulling one. I'm pulling it. She called me. Ring. I stopped. Yes, dear. She says, do you want me to come down and help you push one of them baskets? I said, I look over Channel 4. I said, get the, get the camera off me, man. Don't get me killed, man. What are you doing, man? It was the hat, the suit, you know, and they always pick me out of a crowd, man. You know, it's like one of them standout things. I'm like, well, get the thing off. Huh? 
Yeah, I said, get that off me, man. I told I told the newscast, I said, man, you're going to get me killed, boy. I said, man, don't be, don't be filming me no more, man, you know. Pick somebody else around here, you know. Anyway, but, hey, man, you, listen. Now I lost my train of thought. Anyway. <laughs> yes, grabbing everything. You, you try to grab everything you can get, and, and you push in one, pull in one. And, and the Lord says, that simply ain't going to cut it. You need to get all that mess off you. So, Michael, Gabriel, give me the pruning shears. Now then, and you're standing there like a dog just got shaved. Was that big? Now he's that wide. And he's sitting there going, I'm not going outside looking like this. I've been laughing, talking to the neighborhood. And they're already looking through the window. Oh, God, look at that. I heard him shaving him. Look at him. You know. So, you see, sometimes we get all that stuff piled up on us because we just think we got to have it. God said, that ain't going to work for me. All you need is you and me. I'm your covering. You don't need none of that other stuff. Amen. So, he prunes us. Even when we're doing good, he still he still makes adjustments to us because we need it. Amen. Now, oh, man, I'm trying to hurry, but I'm not going to make it. All right, now, people talk about revival. We need revival. Well, let me tell you, what is Revival. What is revival? Okay, Sister Tara. I can see that spread. Must be something in the water. Let me tell you what revival is. You know what revival is? Revival's change. Revival is change. Revival to a former state. But I want to take you deeper than the status quo. Not just for us to be more on fire as we once were, but back to the purity of the beginning. That's the revival God's after. What's God trying to get us to? You know what the expected end is for God's people? Not just heaven. You know what the expected end is for God's people? It's to get back to that tree of life. Where's that tree of life? It's in the midst of the garden. You know why he got put out away from that tree of life? Because of sin lest he take of the tree of life and live forever. He's trying to get us back to the tree of life. You see? Now the tree of life is in the paradise of God. It's in the midst of the paradise of God now. Okay? That tree of life is in the midst of holiness, and you cannot get to it without holiness. 
And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about just uh, uh, the way you dress and look and all those sort of things. I'm talking about absolute purity. No sin shall enter therein once one sin came. It was one sin, one sin put them away from the tree of life because it was a holy place. It was a pure place. And once man sinned, he could not stay. God's not trying to just revive you to a former state of you. Let me tell you something. He's not just trying to... Everybody talks about revival as it's just some fire. And it's a, oh, the Holy Ghost fire and all that. That's all fine, well, and good. But I need you to understand it's deeper than that. Amen. God's trying to get you back to the beginning. Not the beginning of you. The beginning of time for man. He's trying to get you back to the garden status. That's true revival with God. He's trying to revive man back to where this started. A holiness and a purity. A man that knew not sin. Amen. A man that does not know sin. Adam did not know sin. And you have to understand something, buddy. God's trying to get you back to what Adam was before all this mess began. Because let me tell you something, folks. There was no power that Adam needed that he did not have in that garden. He was over every living thing. He had power over everything in his life. When you get back to the purity that God is trying to take you back to, you will have more power than you've ever seen in your life. If you get back to as holy as God's trying to get you to, there will be no lack of power. Hallelujah. You will say, Lord, and He will say, Here am I. You will say, Lord, praise God, Here am I. Everybody's always talking about the fire of the Holy Ghost bringing the power. Let me tell you something, folks. Purity brings the power. Do you think do you think your zeal is exactly what God is talking about? Is zeal the answer? We seem to think it is. We seem to think that it may be zeal, but it's not zeal. Let me tell you somebody that had zeal that had to change. Saul of Tarsus was very zealous. That man had zeal and he was religious. He was deeply religious, but he was deeply wrong. But that man was full of zeal. He was on his way right then to take captive people of the name. He was on his way. He had letters from the, from the priests to take captive people of the name. He was on his way to pick people up, bring them to jail. That's what he was on his way to do. Look it up in Scripture. Ananias said, even now, he, I hear he hath letters to take captive people of the name. And he said, Go thy way, for I have chosen him. He's a chosen vessel unto me. Understand, Paul was very zealous. He was full of zeal. But he needed change. He needed change. Not just being zealous for God. Paul needed change and he needed to be purified by the Word of God, by the water and by the Spirit. That's what brought the power. His purity, his absolute commitment to God is what brought the power. That's what he got his power from. His absolute commitment to God. People kill themselves because they're so afraid of change. They don't want change. 
you shoot yourself in the foot. How many of you ever heard that that old saying? Uh, 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 cut your snow, uh, nose off to smite your uh, uh, spite your face. You understand what that means? You know what it means? It means it's the same as saying, "Well, I've got to take I got to take time away from church to, to do my job." That's an oxymoron. That's absolute ludicrous. You're, you're killing your job. You're killing your job and you're killing church. You're killing your walk with God because that will never work with God. And you're killing your job because God will not let anything like that come between you. So he just say, okay, you keep that up? Okay, boom, I'll make it where you'll never, you'll never have that job again in your lifetime. See, you're, you're, you're getting a double destruction right there. That's the reason Brother Edward resigned his job. And God stepped in and took care of it. It's the, it's, the very re, it's the very reason. Brother Jay, amen, was going to leave. 